stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, obviously, in recent months, there's been a lot of conversation about what constitutes uh, a legitimate uh, refugee or asylum seeker. Somebody who was in the United States, for example, maybe wouldn't or shouldn't really be considered a, a legitimate refugee. But obviously, there are people who are in need of asylum. We need to review each claim on its merits. If people are being dishonest or trying to game the system, that should obviously work against them. But I think we also have an obligation to treat people fairly. So is this an instance where someone or a family in this instance has been treated fairly? Let me just read to you from uh, Brian Hill's uh, story today for Global News. The Montoyas have lived in Canada for more than six years. They own property. They run small businesses. They volunteer within their community. Certainly sounds like a family that has embraced the opportunity of being in Canada. But if the Canada Border Service Agency has its way, the family of seven, including two small children, will soon be sent back to Colombia, where they say factions of a dangerous paramilitary group want to kill them. In fact, as it stands today, the family is set to be deported on December 24th, on Christmas Eve. So this is a family that came to Canada from Colombia because they were living in fear. They were fearing for their lives from the group known as the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, FARC, as they're known, these Marxist guerrillas. Uh, Camillo Montoya says he was kidnapped by FARC before fleeing to Canada. Says, quote, all the time they told me they will kill me, they will kill me, they will kill me. Said a guy came to me and made me jump in a car and they kept me for two days. Before he was finally released. Camillo says he didn't stop crying for nearly two months after his kidnapping. Says he still has flashbacks calling the experience a nightmare. So Camilla came to Canada in October 2012 with his wife and and their children. And they made an asylum claim. So why is it then that more than six years later, we've decided that they don't get to stay after all? Well, joining us on the line is Brian Hill, reporter with Global News, who's been following this story. Brian, thanks for joining us here. Thanks very much for having me. All right. So we're talking about uh, the Montoya family came to Canada in 2012 from Colombia, fleeing from this group, uh, FARC, this... um, Marxist um, group, I guess we we would call them. Um, So what's changed? Well, you know, for them, for this family, not much. Uh, You know, we've spoken to, there are six members of this family, plus now a young uh, three-year-old child who was born in Canada, and and they essentially say not much has changed. They were uh, threatened, they they claim they were threatened, uh, beaten, as you said at one point, uh, Camilo was uh, kidnapped uh, by FARC, this uh, group of armed Marxist rebels who had uh, sought to seek control of Colombia. 
uh, and uh, who some argue are still uh, engaged in, in active uh, missions to, you know, to, to disrupt Colombia. Uh, and, and they're saying that these, this is still happening, uh, that these sorts of uh, threats, intimidation, extortion that the family was facing is still ongoing in Colombia. And that's why they say they're still so afraid to go, uh, to go back home. Now, the Immigration Refugee Board of Canada disagrees. They say that uh, conditions have uh, changed in Colombia since the Montoyas came here six years ago, and that it's uh, now, in fact, safe for them to return. But, you know, regardless of that, what, uh, what the family's lawyer, what the advocates are arguing, and what the family is saying as well is, we've been here for six years no fa- to no fault of our own because it took the government so long, more than five years, to hear our claim, and now we're established. We've had children. We've been married here. We've done all these things, built lives, started businesses, uh, bought a home, done all that. And now, after six years, you want to kick us out. Right. So technically, their their claim is is still pending. They, they, no decision was made. They were not granted. Um, they were not officially granted asylum. Well, yeah, well, their, their 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 asylum claim was denied. So in November of 2017, after five, more than five years after coming okay. to Canada, uh, their their claim was denied. Now that took five years because of uh, inadequate resources uh, and funding at the IRB. There were a backlog of more than 30,000 claims at one point. And, and so essentially, it just took the government so long to hear their claim uh, that in the meantime, the government argues situation had changed in Colombia. But what's still pending are humanitarian uh, applications to stay that have been filed since their refugee claim was denied based on the fact that they've been here for so long, that they're established, that they're integrated into the into community, into their society, that they volunteer, that they've had a child here, and all of those sorts of things. Essentially saying it would be unfair and inhumane to remove us from Canada now. All right, so they, they did have a child here. That child would, would be a Canadian citizen then, wouldn't he? That's true. So that's three-year-old Thomas. He was born here to Camilo and Betsy, uh, who have another son, Martin, who's seven. Um, you know, Martin came here as a one-year-old, and, and he's known, uh, really known no country other than Canada as home. And again, is very well integrated. Uh, you know, the young children actually speak English far better than they speak Spanish. Um, and, 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 you know, they, like I say, they've been living here. Thomas, who's three years old, was born in Canada and has never known any other country but Canada. So when it comes to, to the claims about the dangers they faced and the reasons why they fled and the threats that, that FARC posed, I guess the IRB isn't necessarily disputing that, but their point is that whatever conditions existed in 2012 don't exist today. Correct. So, I mean, there are two issues here. The decision itself pointed to the fact that conditions in, in, in uh, Colombia have improved between 2012 and 2017 when their case was finally heard. And the IRB member that heard the case uh, essentially argued that this armed group FARC is now more of a political group and, and that there was a ceasefire and, uh, and there was a, an arms, uh, a deal made between FARC and the government in Colombia whereby they surrendered their weapons. Now, there's been some contention about how uh, successful that's been. And, uh, you know, uh, news outlets like the New York Times as recently as September have published articles saying, well, in fact, FARC is continuing to recruit and train new members of their guerrilla militia. And the family claims that they they are still uh, under threat from this group, that they will be in danger if they go back. 
That's right. Um, so the, the, the family is essentially arguing that we continue to receive threats in Colombia, saying that uh, neighbors in their, uh, of where they used to live, their former home in Colombia, uh, continue to tell them that uh, people, uh, members of FARC, are coming around uh, to their home, asking about their location, their whereabouts, where they are, uh, continuing the threats that uh, they received when they were back in Colombia. Now, even though their their asylum claim wasn't heard until November of last year, was filed in um, October of 2012, but if they had waited a couple of months, if they had filed after December 15th, 2012, that's when Canada brought in a, a new system for refugee claims, might things have been different for them? Perhaps. Um, you know, so this is one of the interesting things, and, and, and as the advocates have said, this is one of the sort of, quote, short straws that what are known as legacy claims that they, they drew. So anyone who had submitted a claim before December 15, 2012, is known as uh, a legacy asylum seeker. So they're part of a different system. And, and what happened basically is that back at the the time when the government brought in these new changes in late 2012, anyone that was a legacy claim got pushed to the back of the queue. And so that was one of the main issues. So not only did you have a backlog of about 32,000 cases at the time, those cases were pushed to the back and new claimants under this new system were given priority. And and so that's one of the reasons why uh, it took so, so long for a lot of these claims to be heard. Well, and, and certainly we're hearing a lot more about the delays in, in the system right now, delays in processing claims, obviously, with the influx of asylum seekers coming across from the U.S. And I guess this is illustrative of how that can sort of percolate through the whole system. Well, I think what's if there's one major takeaway from this story, um, you know, put aside the, the nature of their individual claim, I think the one major takeaway here is that it's absolutely vital, and this, this case is a shining example of why, it's vital that cases, uh, asylum claims are heard in an expeditious manner, that the government allocates resources necessary to hear these claims efficiently, to make sure that uh, families come, who come here are given a fair hearing and that they're given that hearing in a reasonable amount of time. You know, everyone, argue, including the government, acknowledges that waiting five, six, seven, eight years for your asylum claim to be heard is not reasonable. And in the meantime, you build a life, you dig roots, you, you integrate you start businesses, you buy homes, you get married, you have children, and then the government turns around, denies your claim, perhaps for good reason, and then the CBSA moves in to deport you. So this, this is, I think, the one major takeaway from this story is that we've got tens of thousands of asylum seekers coming into Canada now. Is the government doing enough to ensure that those claims can be heard expeditiously so that in five years we're not in the same situation as we are today with the legacy cases, that we don't have thousands of backlog and people waiting decades, uh, waiting nearly a decade for their claim to be heard? Yeah. So as it stands now, uh, there is a removal order for this family, and they, they are at least uh, set to be deported later this month. That's right. So the, the removal order is enforceable. Uh, CBSA has indicated their intention to follow through with that. 
Um, after we published uh, this morning, uh, the, the, the family's lawyer, uh, as of today, has submitted a claim or an application, sorry, to the federal court for a stay of deportation uh, pending the results of their humanitarian and compassionate ground applications, as well as the spousal application for, for Louisa Montoya, who has married a Canadian since being here. Uh, and so they want that process to play out before they're actually deported. So they're hoping that the federal court will grant that. And if that doesn't happen, um, the only real thing that can prevent this family from being deported on Christmas Eve is intervention from either the Minister of Immigration, Ahmad Hussein, or the uh, Minister of Public Safety, Ralph Goodale. Very interesting story. Much more at globalnews.ca. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. That is Brian Hill, reporter with Global News, been following the story uh, of the Montoya family. Uh, So six years in Canada, but uh, their claim has been rejected. There is a standing removal order. uh, And as it stands now, uh, the family is set to be removed from Canada on December 24th, which, of course, uh, is Christmas Eve. Uh, Look, I mean, the the claim was assessed. uh, The claim was rejected. There are avenues of appeal, obviously, but I, I guess the IRB's position here is that things have sufficiently changed in Colombia so that FARC, these Marxist guerrillas, are, are no longer the threat they once were. But certainly there was reason to believe that they were a threat uh, and that it was legitimate at the time for this family to flee Colombia. Uh, now, I guess our position is uh, they'll have to take their chances and... Hope that we're right in our assessments that things are a lot different in Colombia. But it is unfortunate in the sense that, that here we have the kind of integration success story that we, we want to hear more of. A family that is uh, settled in Canada. Uh, their children are well integrated uh, in society. I mean, they play hockey, obviously, as, as uh, Brian said, they, they speak English better than they speak Spanish. Uh, They own property, they run small businesses, they are active volunteers in their community. That's the kind of success story we hope for when it comes to whether it be uh, immigrants to Canada, uh, those who come here as as asylum seekers or refugees, and we're going to send them packing. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.